This is an Area Code podcast. Before we start the episode, I just wanted to let you know that this is the final episode of the season, and I want to thank you for listening, uh, for sharing the show with friends, for rating or viewing us on your favorite service, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you listen on. I do have one last favor to ask, though. In the show notes of this episode, you'll see a link to a survey. I would love it if you would click that link and fill it out. We worked really hard to make it as quick and easy as possible, and if you really need to, you can skip any questions you don't want to bother with but your input would really mean a lot to us honestly so please just take a minute to do that stuff while you're listening to this intro which is coming up here in just a second the whole thing was like outsider art even if people weren't outsiders necessarily you go back and look at the geocities archive and our game is like tame compared to some of the pages in there it's just wacky stuff but wacky stuff from people who you would pass on the street and probably think they're pretty normal looking, but then they get online and they, like a shrine to their passed away pets or whatever with like angel halos on top or, and it's not that it's so wacky and crazy, it's just like inside everyone's brain is something like this. Hi everyone, I'm Richard Clark and you're listening to Video Game Feelings, a podcast about the way video games make us feel, and the people who make and play them. Today on the show, Jay Tholen, the creator of Dropsy, Hypnospace Outlaw, and the upcoming Dream Settler. see them, Jay Thillon's games might strike you as bizarre or even alienating, depending on your tolerance for general weirdness. But that weirdness isn't there for its own sake. It's a representation of something deeper. In reality, both Dropsy and Hypnospace Outlaw can be seen as love letters with humanity. Dropsy is a game where you play as a misunderstood clown whose only real gameplay mechanic is, is a hug. And that game can be seen as an embrace of humanity and all that it entails. His latest game, Hypnospace Outlaw, though, can be seen as the next step in that evolution, a kind of a loving exploration of all that humanity entails. I feel like it's almost impossible to control how people react to our work. And that's why, at least for me, knowing how to process the reactions people will have with my work is so important. What do I do with a whole host of people who actively dislike, or worse, ignore my own instances of self-expression? That's what I wanted to find out from Jay, who by now has had years of practice dealing with reactions from people who may or may not actually get what he's trying to do. Unfortunately, I don't think I've played anything for like a year. Oh, you're one of those game developers. Yeah, like, um, I've played Doom, Doom 2, Duke Nukem 3D, Blood, and these other mid-90s shooters recently for, like, kind of research purposes, huh. but they're dumb fun, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I like them, and I like the, the Doom community of, like, map makers. I've also played No Man's Sky somewhat recently Mm -hmm. that will have been six months ago though or something (laughs) i guess that stuff counts i have played some friends games just like uh, my friend harrison lemke lemka lemke Uh he makes music and he did some does lots of cool stuff but he's been working on a little game and uh, browser in and he made a little in browser demo and i played that it's a top down like rpg thing it it fe- it's a very interesting little little game because it has little like 20 to 40 second snippets of his like four track tape recorder music that just kind of comes in and out but it's mostly just silence and ambience and then every now and then when you switch scenes you just hear a little snippet of his of his kind of psychedelic music uh-huh. and it's kind of a nice neat little thing and uh, i like that the scope of it is somewhat small you know it's it's kind of a zelda like but you don't 
attack anything you and that you can find swords but your character is like oh a gold sword don't know what i'd do with this <laughs> and then he just throws it away or whatever. nice and then is uh, that game gonna become something yeah. bigger like is he gonna make that into a commercial thing or do you know i think he'll I, I think he'll release it in some form i don't know about commercial yeah. maybe yeah. I mean, it certainly could be considering the things people sell, but either way, I hope he, he does release yeah. it to the public in some so, form. But that made me feel kind of relaxed for the first time in a while playing a interesting. game. Because <laughs> No Man's Sky is like the, was once this very, very relaxed exploration game, and now it's a little busier. So that has kind of stopped being my chill-out game. Before that, The Legend of Zelda... Breath of the Wild was my relaxing mm-hmm. game. But the, the small scope of it and just the cool little snippets of music and kind of not knowing what kind of strange stuff he put in there and the cute dialogue. I don't know. It was a very relaxing thing. Maybe I'll go back to it. So too. that's like the <laughs> primary thing you're looking for when you're playing games is to relax. Yeah. Weirdly, like the Doom type of yep. games, which for people who aren't super familiar, they're kind of they call them 2.5d games Mm -hmm. where there are sprites that are like always facing you right and instead of 3d models they feel like cardboard cutouts almost yeah yeah they feel like cardboard cutouts and there's maps that are often like super abstracted versions of real life locations Mm -hmm. like diners or you know laundromats or whatever and i really like looking at how people make the maps in those they're very kind of diorama-esque it almost feels like someone made them out of cardboard because the polygon count is so low usually but there's very high detail texturing that looks like someone took a photo a low-res photograph and like slapped it on a cube and said hey it's a washer machine (laughs) even though it's like just four-sided cube with a texture of a washing machine on it so in that way though it's very surreal and strange Mm -hmm. and kind of like walking through a cardboard diorama with like magazine cutouts glued to everything Uh, there's a lot going on in your description there and it makes me wonder what parts that you just described or maybe it's the sum of all of it that that relaxes you is it the strangeness that relaxes you or is it just like the retro feel or what all of this by the way i I think think listeners should know if they don't already like what you're describing is is aspects of what your games tend to be like, right? Like these are things that are almost directly mapped onto your your game's aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. You're right. Yeah, I guess that's the stuff I tend to enjoy. But what I find relaxing is I think the handcraftedness of mm-hmm. it. In these games, someone, whether they're good at it or not, or whether it was just a limitation of the technology, they're trying to put a refrigerator and they may have just a four-sided or a six-sided like rectangle object and then a couple of low resolution textures to slap on there but you know it was all intentional Mm -hmm. and like very precisely sized and and it's just kind of just handmade everything everything in those those games is just is hand placed Even the lighting is not dynamic. So when you make it, you have, you know, all these little surfaces and you, instead of like there being a light source that casts light, you have to manually set the brightness of walls. So you just imagine, okay, there's a light source coming from this way and it would hit these walls. So I'll make them a little brighter and wall by wall, you change the brightness to make it kind of look like there's a light Mm -hmm. source, but you're you're still kind of painting that in there. And I love that you're walking through this whole little world and it's all in someone placed it that everything there intentionally, even if the lighting is inaccurate because they kind of did it by hand and faked it. I love that. It's all just placed there intentionally. Whereas like with newer games, they're great often and look beautiful, but like this is like, and and you could make an argument that it is also handcrafted, but 
often there are more complex systems at play right. that legit do calculate where the sun is and where the shadows will fall and and stuff like that that kind of does it for you instead of it being this imperfect like handmade thing yeah this idea yeah. of middleware is now a thing where like you you get software that that just does stuff for you i remember seeing like a giant bomb video of um giant bomb is like a video game website if people don't know um where like it was they were messing with middleware that is just <laughs> where where you make trees real fast speed tree is a middleware product for creating trees and rendering them fast in real time all right you know what let's cut to the quick here man how fast are your trees? They're real fast. You want to see me draw a tree real quick? Absolutely. All right. What I'm going to do is use my pad and hold on. I want to draw. You're just going to make up a tree? Yeah, I'm just going to draw it right here. So this tree isn't real? No. You're inventing this tree? Yeah. Are you a wizard? And you can just put trees across the world and like make different trees. Tree model library, 2,500 texture maps, hundreds of species. These what kind of what made. kind of trees? Like, can you give me some some? Uh, well, we have a broad variety. I mean, there's broadleaves, conifers, palms, cactuses, underwater stuff. Well, I mean, it's all fake, so it's, I guess you could say you know, this dragon's a tree. It's a dragon tree. We actually have a dragon tree. Just like, it just does it for you, basically. Yeah. So that's a thing that's that's relatively new, I mean, compared to what you're talking about. Um, yeah, compared to what I'm talking yeah. about. And those things have their place, certainly, yeah. and you can, like, if you have, like, a really solid, like, style bible that you've written or like a, just a real solid vision you could cajole those things into like uh fitting in with your style pretty well and they're great tools but something about just every single element being placed there and 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 and, and on purpose for some some reason like it's like a, i keep saying diorama because it does remind me of like a little kid's thing they made for uh -huh school uh -huh. and often in these old map like one of the big things in like the mid 90s was was mapping there was there were mapping tools for doom and duke nukem and and they were so accessible and easy yeah. that people would often it was kind of a meme now make like my room dot wad <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. they would make their bedroom <laughs> or they would make their right. apartment right and um you and it would be hyper detailed. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you would start in their bedroom and then you would go out and explore like it's kind of funny because some of these have like their room and then clearly they got bored just making their room. And then you go off and you're at a demon tech base all of a sudden when you leave their room yeah. fighting monsters or something like that. But what's also funny is their room is hyper detailed. Their TV or their bed is exactly where it is. Maybe a board with their drawings just everything is hyper detailed in their room and then when you leave but and it's cute because it's using doom textures or duke nukem textures which are often not you know you can tell the things they're trying to make these textures look like they represent uh, yeah but it's still like like maybe a red couch and the only red texture is like some gross fleshy texture and and so couch. like yeah yeah so so it's just this innocent kid thing of wanting to make the things familiar to them in this small in this video game form and you can kind of but, feel that intent while you're playing it yeah yeah totally yeah it's cute i love those those and there's so many of them still floating around you can just find find those things. so so yeah i'm really fascinated by like the so i want to go back to the feeling thing because i'm fascinated by the fact that it's not like you're shooting monsters like okay have you ever played the new doom yeah that's not relaxing right okay so i'm interested in this <laughs> to me i get a very similar feeling this is just me i get a very mm -hmm. similar feeling playing the new doom that i did back in the day playing the old Doom, because I, I remember. And those feelings aren't relaxation. Like, I do not feel relaxed playing either of those things. I feel um, just stuff that helps me. Like, maybe after I play Doom, I feel relaxed. But I don't feel relaxed playing Doom. But what's interesting to me is the thing that helps you is not the action you're doing, not the, like, not the purpose of the game or the narrative of the game, but, like, it's this idea of feeling like, you're playing something a human being has clearly made is that the distinction yeah and like thinking about the choices they made uh -huh. and like why is this 
wall in this spot and why did they put these monsters here yeah. and you know um, why does that relax but you? maybe i just said relaxing and now i gotta keep going with it <laughs> maybe it's not that relaxing um <laughs> well it's interesting because i think what i was gonna say about that concept is is of course like it sort of feels like an obvious thing like we play video games to relax but in reality a lot of video games we play are not remotely relaxing right in in actuality it's just it's interesting that to me that you use that term you know i might be meaning it's not work to me uh-huh. um yeah. so for example someone might say minecraft like if you take out the zombies or or lego worlds or any game where you're making stuff yeah. is very relaxing to me that's work yeah uh it feels like work like creating more yes. and and making more stuff because I got to generate ideas and then and I make it sound so bad, but that's my job. Yeah. And I'm not complaining. It's awesome. Right. But it's just spending more of that energy. You know. That's how I feel about The Sims. When Sarah from the first, our first episode describes her mm-hmm. experience with The Sims, it literally stressed me out. Like I spend all day managing my <laughs> two little kids. Yeah, it's just stressful to think about, you know. Yeah. And I guess this definition can change. So yeah. like. To blow up some sprites, and maybe that is relaxing. I don't know. You you get a little shower of particle effects, and and then you get to explore this little place someone made. Like I don't know it, the theater of it, like mm-hmm. the context they built around it, which is demons and blood and guns. <laughs> like you could swap out for anything, I guess, as long as someone still just handmade all this stuff and i get to walk around in there and look at what they did yeah. like <laughs> have you played any like I mean, mario maker or anything no nah, i haven't yeah. um i'm just thinking of games where like it's easy for people to go in and make their own thing and and then you can i probably mario maker it seems more like don't get me wrong i i think it's amazing yeah. but it, it's it seems more stressful for me because there's more performance like uh-huh. you have to do well right. to <laughs> yes. explore yeah and on doom i can kind of just turn on god mode or mm-hmm. turn it to easy mm-hmm. like a the fake gamer that i am and <laughs> <laughs> just see everything yeah yeah every gamer is a real gamer that's our philosophy <laughs> yeah <laughs> Though I have been tempted by um, Mario Maker 2, it looks pretty cool. I would never want to make any, at least while I'm making games as a job, but uh, it looks pretty pretty enjoyable. So Maybe if I was ever on a big vacation, I'd try it out. You did mention this idea of strangeness. And I think Mm -hmm. what you were saying was something that is strange conveys humanness like it was made by a person right and i really like that idea i think it sort of automatically made me understand your games in a way is that intentional like you're i think it's no secret that like a lot of people find your games to be strange (laughs) right like that feels almost intentional probably is that some is that intentional like is that an idea you had in mind and is the purpose to make it feel like more human yeah, I guess I, I would like to distinguish strange from like this stuff is crazy, uh-huh. <laughs> right? <laughs> Twisted, right? And stuff like so. I think that maybe you've dug something up there that's probably right. One thing that's interesting that's a common thing in my games is to me is finding out about characters based on their surroundings or what they're doing or what you can observe about them or the things they've made or put together Mm -hmm. so the characters in the game kind of making stuff and like in hypnospace it which is a big fake internet simulator they have their pages and often they're not great at making pages some of them are really good at making pages some of them are just companies people working for companies making pages you can see kind of you know who got their wallpaper background from like the 100 free wallpaper 
CD and who got who had who had bespoke wallpaper made to fit the design of their page, uh-huh, uh-huh. or maybe there's like a wallpaper that is supposed to look like green goop that someone ripped from a video game, but someone thought it looked like grass, and so that's why they picked it. Mm-hmm. So to everyone else, they might think, "Why does their page background look like green goo?" But they think it looks like. A nice grassy texture, you know. Yep. And, and so it's so much fun to think about what were these people in here like doing? Like, what were they thinking when they put all this stuff together? Dropsy had a little of that. I tried, mm-hmm. but it's such a big workload when you, if any little thing you want to add in a game like that, you have to make bespoke, like fancy art for all of it. But in Hypnospace, it's, 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 fake web pages mm-hmm. and and that's relatively light workload to create especially if like what you're making is trying to like emulate someone who has a low skill level or something there's still some consideration there but it's the it's not as labor intensive yeah I'm, I'm really interested in that idea like um the, the idea of someone who's making something and and to them it feels like one thing it feels like grass to everyone else it's like green goo and that intention is not conveyed <laughs> to their audience right um yeah i that's funny to me because like when i work on this podcast i like give it to someone our associate producer ashley and have her like i'm asking her and other people sometimes like to give me feedback tell me it, and specific questions i ask just is and for really any podcast is like, is there anything here that's like giving you the wrong feelings as you listen to it? Like a cringe, like I don't want cringe in my podcast. Mm-hmm. And and I'm also asking like, is there, is there a moment where you're just totally confused or, or getting the wrong idea uh, of versus what I'm trying to communicate? Um, is that something you do with your games or is it important to you to sort of guard that specific personal vision? Yeah, it depends on, like, if we're talking about, like, a character in the game. Uh-huh. They can be misunderstood. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't like to be misunderstood. Like, I, I do like people to have, I don't know. I, I don't know how much I go in on trying to make sure people come away with the right idea. Mm. Like, for example, in Hypnospace Outlaw, there are a lot of Christian pages. And mm. some of them are nice people uh, who are just you know doing their thing and some of them are at this time in their life anyway yeah. not not being very nice right. and and have maybe some some theology that's like rubs up against what people consider to be good theology mm-hmm. <laughs> and like they're kind of being jerks and i've seen comments from people who are playing my game like let's plays on youtube or or on twitch where people are like I've seen both of these people are like, Oh, this game's so anti-Christian. I'm sick of all these anti-Christian games and uh-huh. stuff like that. <laughs> and I've had someone say this game, it, why is there so much Christianity in this game? Yeah. And, um, and so there's not really a way to, I guess that's just how it goes when you make a game full of, you know, do your best to make a game full of different kinds of people and not, yeah. and you don't, you don't use the game to comment on them. You just let players have their feelings about these people. Right. Um, and I guess it's hard to, it's hard for people to think that I didn't have some big thing I was trying to say. I mean, there is a thing through the whole experience, yeah. which kind of is that people are real interesting and valuable and you should, and you should uh, try to really understand them and maybe or or at least understand that they're more complex than what you're seeing mm-hmm. here or than what they're presenting and and do your part to like kind of give them a little more credit if if they come off a certain way at first and and consider maybe all the things that led to this point for them uh but uh, that's part of the design like the design philosophy i guess and you just can't help someone seeing a, a part of it and then and then thinking that you're making us 
a statement. Yeah. That philosophy and that vision does fundamentally come from your head though, right? Like this is like, I, when I think of game developers, you're one I think of as, as like pretty, you have a pretty singular vision, you know, and these games are, are sort of more than a lot of other games are reflections of, of you as a person. Is that fair to say? Yeah. My thought, my opinions on things and yeah. How to see people. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm curious, like you mentioned, I mean, there's this idea of strangeness that we've sort of talked about around, and then there's this idea that you mentioned you you don't like or want to be misunderstood. That feels like a challenge to to do <laughs> something that is singular to what to who you are and your vision, but then also, like back in the day, you were doing a lot of stuff that I think it seems like like a lot of people weren't connecting with. And then Dropsy happened, right? Now, I don't know if your intention was to get mainstream success at any point in time, but it seems like there was a moment where Dropsy happened and you gained an audience. Before that moment, were you satisfied? Were you like, I'm making art and if people don't like it, fine. And then I'm curious, like, what changed with Dropsy and how how you felt about that reception? Well, really, back then, like, pre-Dropsy, this was my way like out of being kind of poor and stuff, huh. you know? Uh-huh. So you were trying so, to succeed, really. I was trying to get out of like my dad's house before I was 30. Uh-huh. Barely made it. <laughs> 29. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. But yeah, it's kind of stuck. I, you know, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but I had um, a lot of problems, mm. cars breaking down, mm. We lived rural, Mm -hmm. couldn't get jobs, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of this bad cycle, couldn't get out of. And no no opportunities locally for any kind of job that paid anything or had insurance. So I saw this little skill that I had sort of collected as a kid by being a nerd online um, as the way the way I could get out of here, <laughs> get out of here. Uh-huh. And so that was pretty much my aim. Like, and, and the drive got more, as I got older into my late twenties and as I got closer, you know, I wanted to find, get married and have a kid. And I couldn't do that living at my dad's with negative a hundred dollars in the bank. <laughs> right. So that was the motivation. And then, um, that said, like what I was making, you know, I believed things very strongly mm-hmm. and w- what I was making, I wanted to reflect those things, but I was really trying to also sell the thing I was making, certainly. Like, yeah. but I think that my, like the ideological stuff is always going to be in there, but I think that my just game design philosophy isn't like just in terms of the concrete stuff like the art and the audio and the way it feels all of that is not is it's niche but it's not so artsy or something that Uh it wouldn't have an audience i think it's within the realm of like thank i'm I'm glad that that indie games are a market Uh but i think it i just that's where my tastes are Anyway, my games are certainly a little strange and 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 have idiosyncrasies, but they they all are pretty accessible, I think, like to the indie game market anyway. Yeah. Like to to some guy at church, I could never explain what any of this is. But <laughs> to the people who it's for, like the 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 indie game market, people who buy games on Steam and Switch, I don't think it's so hard to like wrap their mind around it. So I think I'm in a pretty good place there because my tastes just are there already. Like, yeah. I'm not really having a big feeling like I need to make anything mega opaque and artsy or, like, in in that sense, personal or, you know, yeah. So so that I feel like that's easy to say in retrospect because you've had a, hmm. a lot of success. But as someone who is like, I don't think I would say I've had a, a major success in like any of my podcasting work or anything that I've done. Um, 
I make a living, right? Like I'm fine, but like I, mm-hmm. I, 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 my, my living doesn't rely on big hits. It relies on other things. But I feel that tension, I think, because, because of that, because I, every time I make something like a podcast like this, I'm like, I don't know, like, is this something only I care about? Or like, sometimes I wonder if, if, if the way that I talk about things or my aesthetic is too like dark and depressing, um, even though it doesn't feel that way to me, oftentimes I'll get little reality checks that like you're bumming people out. Right. And, and that's maybe that's the third question I'm asking Ashley, our associate producer. Like, is this too, is this bumming me? People I've always out? found you quite sunny to be quite honest. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but I think what I want to ask is, did you always feel that way? Did you always feel like, you know, my, my work is accessible or work when you were, thinking about things like dropsy were you kind of having questioning that a little bit oh yeah back then like now mm-hmm. now that i have a better understanding of just kind of what i gravitate to when i'm making stuff yeah i i feel like i can say that now back then i had no yeah no clue if there was a market and dropsy didn't sell that well like it, it mm. got press yeah but that didn't translate too much <laughs> to sales and it was a relatively we should have probably priced it slightly higher um but um, so you had you had doubts even after dropsy then yeah 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 even e- big doubts before hypnospace like will anyone get this is huh. there a desire yeah to play it like and then hypnospace was the one that gave me some security yeah. dropsy not too much um but that was a combination of things we released like two weeks or a week and a half before undertale came out which just really gobbled up what people were talking about so no that's not the only thing but it was a perfect uh storm of things but Mm -hmm. and it it didn't flop but it it didn't i needed to get going on the next thing right away or else Mm -hmm. i would be in trouble Mm -hmm. Um, mm mm-hmm yeah. yeah, man, that's so interesting. Because um, from my perspective, like Dropsy, I think you started a Kickstarter for that. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that Kickstarter must have, like, it, you made the game, so that that Kickstarter must have worked, which is a pretty huge hurdle, right, to yeah. jump over. And but I totally get that. Like, you have a certain level of success, but it's not gonna it's not set for life success it's not like um and when i say set for life i don't mean like you have enough money to live the rest of your life i mean it's not like like you it it sounds like you weren't convinced this could be a career quite yet yeah no and dropsy had a lot of issues like we lost our original programmer Mm. um he well he didn't die but it sounds like anyway um (laughs) (laughs) yeah it sounded like that but no he 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 dropped out and Mm -hmm. and some of the money went with him um and mm. so we had to restart and then the people who joined had to make a, a profit sharing agreement with who to help me finish the game so mm-hmm. um it, it you know lots of stuff and, and um it, the the press and the the reception that i saw on twitter and elsewhere mostly twitter um was mega encouraging and like validating and like yeah. okay I guess I'm kind of a game designer, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, cause, cause game designer is different than guy who does art and uh-huh. music some and throws it in, in a thing. So that was good. It was hip, hypnospace was the one where I was like, okay, there is like a consistent, like market for whatever the heck I'm doing here. Yeah. Before that, did you, did, did you, I'm just, now I'm just projecting into like what I would feel like if, if I were in that situation I would feel some, I have felt this, some loneliness around like I'm making this thing. I, I really feel proud of it. Um, and no, and, and you know, I've heard people say, you know, I, I've heard people say like, you know, I make a thing I'm proud of and that's enough. I don't feel that way sometimes mm-hmm. when I feel proud of something and other people don't like it. I, I, it actually results in pretty acute feeling of loneliness for me. And I'm curious if you've felt that and, and how you coped with that. If you felt, I think I'm bad about reading like comments and reviews Mm -hmm. of, uh, 
the vast majority of the comments and reviews on all of my games are positive. Um, But then you get those, the ones that are not. And it's one of two things. Like, I think my brain throws those comments, well, maybe three camps. One camp is, yeah, they have a point. And (laughs) usually those things, the things that I agree with, the criticisms, are things that would have been in the game had there been more money or time. Right, right. So those things I don't sweat too much. Like, often I'll reply anyway and be like, yeah, we wanted to, but couldn't yeah. fit it in time. Or The other thing, and this frustrates me and kind of gets my heart pumping, and then I sometimes have to, like, type and retype a reply and then delete it and not send it, is, like, <laughs> when people misunderstand, like... A big element of it um uh-huh. especially if they have uh an ideological takeaway that is wrong huh. mechanically like or or uh, some problem with the art some people say the art hurts my eyes ah eh, i don't care about that too much huh. um but when people have have the a takeaway like ideologically that is kind of like maybe even the opposite of what i intended it doesn't make me feel like angry at them but more some combination of like frustrated well frustrated that i didn't successfully communicate this and instead communicated the opposite thing i wanted to communicate Mm -hmm. to this person who played it like these Mm -hmm. people are spending a lot of time in this little thing you worked you know well a lot of time maybe 10 to 20 hours in this thing you worked a few years on everything is kind of made from this place you know and and people come away thinking the opposite of that and ah. yeah um and then there's just the meme stupid stuff that's the third thing where it's just like poo game right hero stars and then that stuff i know gamer that stuff bugs me when it's on steam because it hurts the algorithm a little Uh bit Uh uh-huh when they thumbs down it for something stupid yeah but eh that doesn't bug me that much either i forget about it so what i'm hearing from you is loneliness is not really an issue it's more like you're concerned that you're (laughs) trying to do one thing and doing the opposite on accident yeah yeah yeah. or sometimes it's a positive and people are like yeah they really nailed christianity (laughs) (laughs) way to go yeah or whatever and i'm they like really wait made a me feel self-righteous in my <laughs> uh beliefs yeah. Yeah. yeah or like or in a more broad sense like yeah they really got that those web pages were so stupid looking back in the 90s and <laughs> people wrote dumb stuff and it sucked i'm glad we've evolved or something like that yeah so so but to that point i mean i guess i maybe like for the record what you're i'm gonna guess here what you're trying to do is like create i mean feelings of empathy towards people who believe different and then also like show like back then like people were doing uh kind of uh the best they could with the limitations they had and and were doing kind of creative interesting almost beautiful stuff right like that's the part of the point yeah 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 just very human strange thing like the whole thing was like outsider art even mm. if people weren't outsiders necessarily you go back and look at the geocities archive and our game is like tame compared to some of the pages in there like it's just wacky stuff but yeah. wacky stuff from people who you would pass on the street and probably think they're pretty normal looking uh-huh. But then they get online and they, whatever the thing they made, like a shrine to their <laughs> passed away pets or whatever with like yeah. angel halos on top or like, you know, just who knows all the, all the stuff. And it's not, and it's not that it's so wacky and crazy. It's just like, I think inside everyone's brain is something like this, like that, <laughs> you know, like it's everyone not... has like the strangeness inside of them. yeah yeah yeah. and it's not like you need to tap into it it's just there and you can't help it like (laughs) yeah yeah that's so interesting i mean you do though i mean people there's a reason when you walk down the street and people look normal quote unquote 
like that's because they're trying to be i think right yeah like, maybe and, or and they might not care like sure i'm just yeah. putting on this shirt and going that's a really good point like um the street is not a performative place and GeoCities was, <laughs> you know, that's the yeah, distinction. Maybe. That's GeoCities is like a hundred percent. Like uh-huh. whatever you put up there is what you want people to think about you. And, <laughs> yeah. and some people know, some people make very, um, make a resource like a directory of recipes or something like that. And mm-hmm. there's nothing ab- about them though. You can certainly infer something about them through the fact that they put, so much work into just making a free directory of recipes they think are good curated yeah. list of it, like that they're kind of giving and want to share you know like. are you comfortable with mainstream success is it is it something that you have only positive feelings towards or do you have like a ten- you feel attention about it yeah there's tension mm-hmm. and i don't know if i would still call it mainstream but it's sure. it's 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 some I'm not gonna like be fake humble or whatever. Like there's it's certainly success. Like yeah. Like if if me from ten fifteen years ago was looking at me now, yeah, ten years ago, I would be like, yeah, he made it, or you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah, it's 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 a lot of tension, I guess. Uh, because you know like i said i kind of escaped back home and then you got people back home dealing Mm -hmm. with a lot of those same things and Mm -hmm. like um successful but not enough to like do anything about them like yeah yeah uh not yet but (laughs) and that yeah it's made me really think about that it's like because my success is like the the level of like a normal probably a normal job really right. if you it just income wise the, like a the normal success job is you're have. doing what you love and you're, yeah and it's paying for your lifestyle yeah 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 that and that's that's amazing i never thought i'd be there but yeah there's maybe some a little guilt just about that just and mm-hmm. like wondering how much i should like give because like everyone thinks that if they got money they would be a saint with it and somehow when they when they don't have it and then and then once you start like making a a normal amount of money Mm -hmm. you really and you come from there you start thinking like um you know well i don't want to be like because when i was back there i saw people and i'm like why aren't they more just on the outside you're like why aren't they more why aren't they giving more or like yeah and well i guess there's two things one there's the reality that like when you're in this position you're like you don't actually have as much as it looks like you might have Uh to like give or time time is a big issue too yeah but the other thing is even if if you had a lot of money like there's no one thing you can do to like make a big enough difference so it's it's pretty stressful and like just and the other thing isn't it isn't even money because i don't really have enough of that to go all around Mm -hmm. but the time thing is probably the more um stressful thing is time for me because that is the thing I that I find harder to give up than money is the time. I've got three projects at once and almost two babies. And I feel like I can't necessarily be a good father and be mm. a good game developer. And um, the communities that have formed around my projects also be very active there so mm. you got to choose what's more important and something's got to not be as important or something's <laughs> got to be neglected a little bit you know yeah. and then um uh those things yeah yeah it, so it, it kind of feels like you're always neglecting something is there a part of you that wants to sabotage all of this like th- that 
I feel like what I felt from that was a, a extreme discomfort. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, it feels like you're extremely yeah. uncomfortable with the situation you're in, even though it's a more comfortable probably it's a good... situation than you were in. I mean, do you is there part of you subconsciously? That yeah, I really like... want to quit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are and you being serious do... or is that a joke? No, not a joke. Uh, oh wow! Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, I like. I I really like working on these projects. I think they're fun and fulfilling, mm-hmm. and I and and even though I whined about people misunderstanding them, the vast majority of the comments and people who play them, they get it. Like yeah. they get, they get it, and that's very nice to see. But the 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 cycle of making video games as like my income is <laughs> stressful and you're just always um mm. always i i just like to to quit that uh and you know if i could work at a supermarket here in germany uh-huh. my wife's german uh-huh. i moved to germany i would instead of this um but is that the like, end goal to 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 get to a place where you can basically retire God, that's so con- that that's even more like conflicting because that would imply that you would have enough money to do that, and then uh-huh. you're like, everyone when everyone thinks they're going to be altruistic, or at least I feel this way, and then what do you do when you get all this money? You retire, you save it for yourself, and you save it yeah. for your family, and you take yeah. care of your family, and then yeah. it just all stays with you, and then you die with it, like. You yeah. might say it's very nice of you to take care of your family and put your kid through college or something, but I don't know. Kind of feels wrong to me. So I I kind of am hoping that doesn't happen. I'm hoping there's some weird middle ground available uh-huh. to me. For the last question, though, we uh, we use the feelings wheel, which um, if you've listened Ooh. to the first episode, mm-hmm. I think you know what it is. It's basically a tool that helps people identify their feelings I'm going to spin this wheel. You're going to get one of the 82 feelings, and I want you to tell me about a game that's made you feel this way. What's a game that has made you feel out of control? Out of control. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I keep, well, you're kind of, Doom 2016 made me, like, Mm. um, I haven't played Eternal, the newer one. Uh-huh. But Doom 2016. Oh, so you did. You played the 2016 remake, yeah? Yeah, I played it, and it that that makes me feel like out of control. I can't handle it. It's just everything up in your face, like all the time. And it's not uh, that I'm not in control of the character, but I'm not in control of my emotions. And like, huh. I think that was their intent, and like they did a very good job of overwhelming you. Yeah. But I like can't play a lot of that. I get too jazzed and that i don't know not jazzed i don't yeah. know there's Dude. a momentum to that game like you really do lose yourself in it a little bit and and you either like that it's like like alcohol you either really like that or you really hate that feeling um i like the I, game i guess but the thing i don't like is all of the um close-up kills uh-huh. um because i just don't like killing much even though i'm working on a first-person shooter with blood everywhere <laughs> Like, I don't like seeing, like, all of those gory, like, ripping a thing apart things, like, in mm-hmm. such quick su- succession. It feels very unhealthy because you do lose yourself and then you're all energized ah, and you're, everything's coming everywhere. And then, and then you're, like, stabbing things in the eye. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's that one. <laughs> that makes, that makes total sense. Um, uh yeah awesome i think that's it i think we're done i'm gonna hit stop can you spin it again i want to do one more okay let's do (laughs) okay because all i did was talk about doom just all doom all the time Uh, i'm just assuming that's all you play which is fine um intimate that's a good one because well unfortunately Mm. you could probably answer that with doom if you wanted to but um, what's the game? You're getting very close feel... to the demons when you decapitate them. Um, <laughs> I mean, people say that murder is the most intimate uh, thing you could so. do to a person. Um, it would be funny that I made you do that and then just to say doom again. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I got two answers. Um, 
one Doom is, and what else? One is uh, the cats and dogs games. With oh, a interesting. Z. With Z, those are the ones that have a Z on the end. Uh-huh. The names. Yeah. I remember playing with those and fe- getting a little attachment to my little mm. cat or dog, and I remember being slightly worried that, like, if I shut my computer down, like, it wouldn't exist anymore. So I kept my computer on a long time, mm. back in like '98 or whenever whenever i got that and yeah. uh, or the shareware or whatever it was of it yeah that that got i felt like like i didn't want to th- want to make this little creature not exist anymore so i kept it open Back on the very first episode of this podcast i mentioned my desire to become better at self-expression That's one of the reasons I wanted to have Jay Tholen on the podcast in the first place. I see him as a developer who makes games as pure expression, with little to no compromises or second guesses as to how they might come across to an audience. What I didn't anticipate was that Jay cares very little about being seen himself. He seems way less concerned about whether people get what he's going for. What he cares about more is that people see themselves in his work. I don't know, I guess I thought for sure he'd feel some amount of loneliness from feeling misunderstood, but uh, at least in my conversation with him here, Jay seemed way too busy trying to understand everybody else with all their strangeness and idiosyncrasies to be worked up about how other people perceive him. I think so much of what we do, and frankly of what I do with things like this podcast, is to strive to be seen and understood. The reality is, when we're truly curious about other people, when we work hard to find those ways we're the same and the reasons we're different, we find ourselves situated squarely in that place of belonging that we've craved all along. much every major game console. This has been the first season of Video Game Feelings. Once again, please take the time to fill out the survey in the show notes and let us know what you think. And please, 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 if you like this show, tell your friends, followers, and fans. The more we can get the word out in the off-season, the more awesome this show can be in the future. In the meantime, I'd love to make a bonus episode with your answers to this question. What's a game that's made you feel creative, energetic, inquisitive, helpless, unfocused, furious, out of control, or intimate. Pick one, choose all of them, I don't care. Tweet at us, send us a voice memo to richard at areacodenetwork.com and maybe it'll end up on the show. This is an Area Code podcast.